near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, what near-death experiences may teach about life on the other side. Now, we have a couple of experiences to share today. The first is from a Dr. M. Galabi, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I believe it's French, at least the language that his book is written in seems to be French. And uh, according to the account on enderf.org, this is an abstract from the book, Sorry That Death Refused Me. Now, I went looking for the book and I couldn't find it. However, I did find that there is a book by Dr. M. Galabi um, that is written in French, which makes me think that it was probably written in French. And... Uh, and what we're getting here is a French translation, and uh, that's why I was unable to find the book. But maybe you can find it if you're, if you're interested, or if you do find it, it it'd be great to hear from you and uh, let us know so that we can uh, link other people to it. Anyway, Dr. Galabi says, I feel it is a duty to tell the people my story. It is real. And I feel it contains lots of lessons and deep meanings. I don't aim to let this article be teaching a message because I don't know much religious information outside of what I've studied to improve my own knowledge. I always feel keen towards spiritual articles, especially those that concern the miracles of the Quran and the Bible or other books which concern the universe and physical phenomena. The events of the experience are not special or rare. There are many experiences going on in the same way. As I see it, it happened to me, and I have to tell people who are interested. I feel there is a connection between the events of my experience and the entity of the universe, especially considering my specialization of space space mechanical engineering and my knowledge of parapsychology. I expect my writing in this article will have a scientific touch. Time and place of experience. The experience happened in the mid-80s of the last century in a hospital in Europe during a surgical operation in my face, a nose deviation. Steps of events. 1. The operation began and the anesthesia failed. 2. My body was totally paralyzed from the anesthesia. At the same time, I was feeling very severe and continuous pain. I became semi-conscious. 3. Every sensation became pain. 
before. The pain continued, which caused my heart to stop pumping blood. I had no pulse and wasn't breathing for about three minutes. I was clinically dead. Five. I began to see everything that had happened in my life since I was a baby in my mother's womb. It all happened so fast. Every minute and minor detail replayed through my mind from start to finish. Somehow I was able to follow all of these rapid and intense events at once. Six. I was pulled from my body and floated up through the roof of the hospital. I kept going up at incredible speed. As I reached space, the speed began to slow. 7. I came to know that there is a supreme reality, that this reality was a universal entity which spanned the seen and unseen universes. 8. I entered a dark cylinder in space that seemed like a tunnel. Nine. White ghosts appeared around me, including the ghost of my mother who died when I was five. They were reaching out their hands toward the center of the tunnel. Some tried to touch me. I saw a light at the end of the tunnel. Ten. Coming out of the tunnel, I was about to leave our universe. Eleven. An unknown voice demanded that I was to travel faster, faster, even faster than the speed of light. Twelve. While I was going faster and faster, I noticed the things around me. I was trying to see them through the eyes of a scientist. Thirteen. I was headed toward a speed that has no actual limit. Fourteen. I was told that God had decided that I had to go back to my container, despite the pain. Fifteen. I landed on an alabaster planet and was surrounded by huge beings. I saw the most beautiful creation of Almighty God. It was love. Love meant for all people without exception. Sixteen. I was ordered to go back. I was told it was not yet my time, that I had to go back to where I came from. I returned to life, sad and in pain. That is the end of Dr. Galabi's experience. And it's interesting the way he put this together. It's uh, very consecutive order-ish, you know. It seems that things happen in this order. He numbered them, in fact. I don't know if that was to emphasize the the particular order that things happened, or if it was just because he, you know, maybe in his book he goes into more detail about each aspect, but it certainly does make it easier to discuss, okay? So he has failed amnesia, sorry, failed anesthesia, which causes extreme pain, apparently, even though he's paralyzed by it, and the pain causes his blood to, I mean, sorry, his heart to stop, which is a little bit horrific, that whole thing up to there. Um, I try not to dwell on the pain and the medical, um, you know, I've, I've read lots of these experiences of people dying while under anesthesia, and generally it's an utterly painless experience, utterly painless. But uh, apparently there are times when somebody dies basically of pain, which this 
seems to be one of those cases. And of course, coming back afterward, it's again quite painful. But that's when things get interesting, though, is when um, Dr. Galavi dies. So at that point, his life review takes place. And it's interesting how he describes it as being incredibly quick. Like it, he says, it all happened so fast. Every minute and minor detail replayed through my mind from start to finish. And all of these things seem to, he said, somehow I was able to follow all of these rapid and intense events at once. So in a matter of, I don't know, a second, a few seconds, a minute, something very quickly, he, uh, he experiences his life review. And he seems kind of blown away by this because um, he's experiencing, like he said, every moment, all the way from the time he was in his mother's womb. He saw every minute and minute detail replayed through his mind from start to finish. The full life review. And, you know, we we talk about that a lot in this uh, program because it's so impactful in how we live our lives when we hear about this and we uh, talk to those who have been through this experience and and how it affected their life when they returned. But um, this happened in a, a moment. This whole life review happened, for Dr. Galabi anyway, in a moment. And yet he's able to perceive all of it. I want to come back to that perception of perception, or it's back to that idea of perception um, being compressed in only a moment. But um, he goes on and talks about how he floated up through the roof of the hospital, and then he's going up at incredible speed, and as he reaches space, the speed began to slow, which is kind of interesting because you wonder, is it actually slowing, or is he going at a constant speed? Because at a constant speed, it would appear to slow because, you know, traveling at, say, 1,000 miles an hour away from the Earth, you would shoot away from it, and then you would slowly seem to be hardly moving at all eventually. But uh, anyway, he then begins to be filled with the knowledge of a supreme reality. And that's an interesting wording. You hear of a supreme being, a supreme creator. Um, you don't hear too often people talking about a supreme reality. And I suspect this is the spirit world, the spirit realm, whatever. You know, Spirit world is probably a bit of a misnomer, I think. Uh, we think of it as a planet when we say it that way, when really it is simply another universe or aspect of the universe or dimension in the universe, whatever. Um, and he says that it spanned, this supreme reality spanned the seen and unseen universes. Which makes me think, we tend to think of, you know, the physical as being one universe and the spirit universe being completely separate that those on that side would not be able to look to this one just as we cannot look to that one easily but that doesn't seem to be the case from what he's saying he says that this spanned the seen and the unseen universes then he goes on and says that a dark cylinder in space uh, um, he enters this dark cylinder like it which seemed like a tunnel 
He sees white ghosts around him, including the ghost of his mother. Um, I'd be interested to know what he means by ghost. Are we talking about, because he says a white ghost, are we talking about a glowing, translucent human being, or are we talking about um, light beings who are completely unrecognizable visually, but are completely recognizable um, physically, mentally, emotionally, every other way? I, you know, I'm not sure, he doesn't say. But he says they were reaching their hands toward the center of the tunnel. So I can picture him rushing up this tunnel and they're, it's like they're reaching out to either greet or see, you know, or maybe make contact with him in some way. And he sees this light at the end of the tunnel. And when he comes out of the tunnel at the end, he finds that he is about to leave our universe. So I, I don't know. I mean, this, this sounds to me like some kind of spatial wormhole type of <laughs> thing and and at the end of the wormhole you know the person would be into the new spiritual universe or whatever i i don't know how that works maybe the whole tunnel thing is for our benefit to make it really feel like a sense of physical travel even though um Maybe it's actually taking place in the same place, or maybe it is physical travel, or maybe it's something that goes beyond travel, that it, that it is something that includes travel and goes far beyond what we would even be able to call travel or something. You know, I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there. But um, this... Uh, I this um, He is looking at this. He says through the eyes of a scientist. And the moment he says that, he then goes on to describe saying, I was headed toward a speed that has no limit. And this got me thinking just a little bit, and I haven't, you know, really sat down and tried to quantify these thoughts, but if time seems to be happening instantaneously, just consider his life review, where he experiences every moment of his life, every thought, every minute detail, in just a second, okay, then could it go the other way also, that traveling at a speed um, that is infinite, yet he is perceiving every moment or every, you know, foot of travel, you might say, in that instant? I don't know. And uh, if that's the case then perhaps even traveling at an infinite speed would not necessarily imply some some sort of, you know, transport where you just jump and you're there. But it is actually travel. It's just an infinite travel. And because of this infinite ability to perceive time infinitely, so to speak, they can yet... Um, experience every foot of that infinite travel. I don't know. That's just a thought. He just says that he was um, heading toward a speed that has no actual limit. Now, one of the problems that actual science has with near-death experiences is these kinds of things where saying traveling faster than the speed of light, traveling faster than, you know, anything can travel they have a problem with that simply because nothing can travel that fast. You're passing the cosmic speed limit. And since that's not possible for anything, not even a beam of light, 
then how could it be possible for whatever this spirit is that you are? This consciousness, how is that even possible? But I think our limitation in that is that we are so determined to bind our universe to the physical. And to, you know, you might even extend that to light. Light and physical and radio waves and gamma rays, alpha waves, all the different uh, forms of, of waves and light that travel. Um, that limitation of the speed of light is what defines our universe, so to speak. But it's important to keep in mind that... Uh, Whatever is the consciousness, whatever is the spirit, is outside, to some level, outside of normal physical uh, existence. I don't know how, and I don't know why, but that seems to be the case. And that is confirmed by the fact that time and space don't seem to really apply the same there as it does here. Which, again, may be part of the reason for the veil. You come into uh, this body of physicality and where light only travels so fast. And, uh, you know, your physical structure can only travel so fast before G-forces start crushing it. I mean, speed and, and time and so forth are very confining here. And uh, we're so used to it, as most of us adults, that we wouldn't know any other way, but experience a little of the other side and you'll find actually <laughs> there's a lot more uh, that we will, that we are inside. Anyway, I did say I would read two experiences, went a little further on that one than I anticipated doing. So let's dive into the second one. This is Jewel from Enderf.org. Jewel says, I was at the beach body surfing for about 30 minutes. I was exhausted because the surf was very rough and there was a very strong undertow. The waves were getting larger, but I couldn't get out of the water because of the undertow. I dove under a huge wave, hoping that it would carry me to shore. Inside the wave was a tremendous wall of water that hurled me around like clothes in a washing machine. I had absolutely no control of my body as the water slammed me into the ocean floor. I didn't know where the water surface was. The force of the water had knocked all of the air out of my lungs, so I decided that I was not going to make it. At this thought, a voice in my head said that all who have died have lived. I began to relax and realize that I didn't need to breathe anymore, and the pain of my lungs sucking in air had stopped. I began to feel very warm sleepy, and was floating in a gray space. I was overwhelmed with a wonderful sense of unconditional love and such a sense of wholeness, of being connected to everything and of everything being equal to everything else. Then I was floating just below the waves as a point of consciousness. I felt super aware and could see farther and think faster then I thought about how my father, who was on the shore, would react to my death. Suddenly I was above the water surface, looking at my father, who was scanning the water to see what had happened to me. 
I knew that he would continue his life just fine without me, and that he would get over it. Then I was below that surface again, and wondered when my life would flash before me. I felt that there was an invisible someone with me. It was communicated to me, a vision of the activities of my short life. It was like it was all in a book with pages flipping by, except that the pictures were like little movies. I was a disappointing, it was a disappointing movie, as I was only 17 at the time. I felt that I had not accomplished what I came for in this life. It was communicated to me that if I chose to leave my life at this point, that I would have to come back and do this all over again. This invisible someone did not have any judgment to offer, and I felt that the judgment would come from myself. In fact, I have concluded that this was only myself, a higher version of myself. At some point, I asked what the, point, what the purpose of life was, and the answer I received was to help other people. Then I began to hear wonderful music, not like any that I have heard in my life. I could not identify the instruments or the melody. Next I could hear some far-off school bells, the sound of which was luring me off to the right and into another dimension from which there would be no turning back. I did not hesitate at this barrier. I had no regrets of leaving anything behind my, from my life. But without warning, I was suddenly and violently sucked down toward my body. I was still face down on the ocean floor. On the way down, I was told, it's not your time yet. Once I was back in my body, I still had no idea where the surface of the water was. Then I actually felt a pair of physical hands, one under each foot, push me to the surface where I was able to stand up in chest-deep water. How very angry I was. I felt so cheated. I did not want to leave that place to come back to this life. It took me many years to finally get over the anger and forgive God for sending me back to my life. It was never my life in the first place. He was the one that gave me this life. Okay, so that's the end of uh, of Jules' experience. And, wow, um, I'm going to skip some of the preliminary stuff uh, uh, going into it um, because I find such an interesting point, in, in, in two points, I should say, two very interesting points. One, she's told, if you don't go back now, you're, gonna, you're just going to have to do this again. And then the point where she is told that the purpose of this life, she asks what the purpose of this life, and the answer came, was to help other people. Now, was this an answer that was just for her? Or was it an answer that pretty much any of us would get? I don't know. But it seems consistent with what other people have said, that all of us, at least what it comes down to, in some way, shape, or form, the purpose of your life is love. Perhaps that's meaning to help other people. Perhaps that's meaning to live a life of love for the things that really matter to you. I, that's, you know, I don't know. But it's about love. And I think that idea of helping other people 
is probably of greater um, or, or of closer value than even what we would consider, you know, living our dreams and so forth. Um, when we do it right, often living our dreams is what gets us to the point where we can actually help other people. And there's certainly something to be said for that. But anyway, I found that very interesting. Um, one last point. She's having, she's conversing with someone at her side, an invisible someone at her side. And she finally gives a description. She says, this invisible someone did not have any judgment to offer. And I felt that the judgment would come from myself. In fact, I have concluded that this was only myself, a higher version of myself. And at that point, she asks the question, what is the purpose of life? And then she's told to help other people. Now, I have heard many describe um, meeting their higher self, and I don't know what that means. But there must be something to it, because it keeps coming up. I'm not one to suggest that when you meet your grandma on the other side who died many years ago, that that's you, just another version of you, or or I should say um, that you lived that life before and now you're living this life. I'm not one to, to go that far with any of this. I, I think that's a terrifying thought, a horrifying thought in a lot of ways. It kind of implies that all of us will live all of our lives. And, oh my gosh, that would be a terrible experience. <laughs> but I do think there is something to be said for having such a connection to other people that to live your life to its fullest is to live up to your highest version of yourself. And could it be that those of us who just simply don't give life a chance do need to have the experience again in some way. Now it sounds like I'm saying reincarnation and to those of you who fully accept reincarnation, that's fine. I, I totally get it. That's, that's what that sounds like. And to those of you who are deeply uncomfortable with that, recognize that I'm not trying to go to that extent. But I am suggesting that there is something to living life to its fullest and by fullest, I mean living to do the thing that we came here to do. And I think that comes down to love. Extending love, extending compassion. Often it means being willing to stand up to those who are hurting you, who are hurting other people, because that is an incredible act of love toward them and you, and to the people being abused or mistreated. That is a supreme act of of love. And so is reaching out in love to someone who needs compassion. So is reaching out in love to your children. In fact, I remember talking to my mom one day when I was, oh, I was probably 17, 18 years old, saying to her, have you ever wondered what your purpose in life is? And she just kind of laughed and she said, I know what my life or what my purpose is. And I'm like, you know, stupidly, well, what is it? You know, <laughs> it's like, what? And she's like, this is it. My family, having this, this home and family and so forth, that is my purpose. I know that. And I felt a little pang of jealousy that she knew her purpose. 
but I, I also felt a deep sense of, um, what's the word? I was impressed by it. I was, I was, you might say that I felt the sense of her being a remarkable role model for what I wanted to be. Not necessarily a mother, because that option isn't available to me. But I see she's recognizing this life that she's chosen as being her purpose. And she's and she did it marvelously. As her child, I can attest to that. Marvelously. She wasn't a perfect mother. I, I, I remember many times <laughs> being screamed at, sometimes for the smallest, simplest things, but overall, she did such a remarkable job with us. And you could ask any one of her children, and they would say, I got the best mom in the world. We would all say it. So um, just hearing her recognize this simple life that she was living, a family life, as being her life purpose. And when I, as her child, look at that and say, was that all about love? Was it all about helping other people? I, I almost feel silly for even asking it. Of course, of course, that was and is still a remarkable act of love. She's still one of my most, most highly uh, looked upon role models. And as is my father, they, they mean the world to me. And there is no one mortal that um, other than maybe my wife, that I look to um, as, you know, an example of what I want to be and what I want my life to be and so forth. So anyway, my point in that is that we don't have to assume that we have to be Mother Teresa's. We don't, you don't have to assume that you have to be a, you know, a surgeon saving lives or a lawyer who is is traveling the world and standing up for the little guy, you know, saving people from oppression and so forth. The, if you can do those things, if you're in a situation to do those things, by all means, do them. But if if you're not, if your life is just not going that way, it's probably because it's not intended to. It's probably not supposed to. Most people who fulfill their purpose in life are doing so at the simplest and gentlest and most loving one-on-one -on -one levels. Parent to child, child to parent, spouse to spouse. And then, of course, meeting a stranger, offering a word of love or advice or kindness. You guys, I can't stress enough how powerful those little things are especially in those who are you're closest to, but also, and sometimes more powerfully, because it's such a short meeting, those who we don't know, the stranger, the passing friend, the acquaintance. Those little acts of love, they are what make this world turn. They are what make this life fulfilling. They are our purpose in this life. Thank you for listening again. If you would like to contact the podcast, you can do so by emailing me, chaz at ndepodcast.org. You can contact john at ndepodcast.org also. You can also uh, 
help support the podcast by purchasing my book, Life in the Spirit World, especially the audiobook. That really genuinely helps you guys. And uh, if you, but also the, if you want the Kindle book, the uh, um, ebook, you know, in whatever format you need, it should be available. If it's not, let me know. Or if you can't seem to find it, I, I have it in, in every format that you could need it in, or at least I can make it available in any format you need. Um, so just let me know if, if there's a format that you want that you don't have. Um, also, you can go to the Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash ndepodcast to become an ongoing monthly contributor. That really helps also. You guys, it means the world to me to be doing this with you. I don't feel like I'm just doing it for you. I'm doing it with you. I hear from you guys daily. um, And I read every email that comes to me. And it touches me deeply to hear from you. If I have not responded to your email, it's because something happened and I missed it. So just copy and paste, resend it again. I won't even notice that it's a repeat. (laughs) So I want to hear from you. And thank you, all of you again. Thank you.